hope you're ready to take some notes. We're going to be opening the Word and looking at the Word and exploring the Word and finding out what God has to say. But we're going to be remembering the significance of the sacrifice. The significance of the sacrifice. When our country was first founded, it was quite different than maybe you presently see it on our news. Our country throughout the years has been paid for and forged into a great nation by brave men and women who came before us with a vision for religious and personal freedom. And we honor their sacrifice every day by valuing that freedom that God's given us. How do we honor it? By valuing that freedom that God's given us every single day. So I'm just going to throw this out to you. Don't give that freedom up to anyone, not to politicians, not to anyone else. Give it to Jesus, and he will make you truly, truly free. The United States was founded on the principle that God, not government, is a source of all of our fundamental rights. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to back it up here in just a moment. But the United States of America was founded on the principle that God, not government, is the source of all of your fundamental rights. Our founders, including the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, understood this very clearly. There's no doubt in their mind. And they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Did you hear that? The only reason they exist is to secure our rights. Boy, they've kind of missed that. The other widely held understanding during the founding era was that religion and morality formed the foundational base upon which society was formed. Religion and morality were the foundation, the basis for both our society and the form of government. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim to tribute patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of duties of men and citizens, President George Washington. He says, without having an understanding of God's word and morality, we're wasting our time. We won't have the freedoms that they intended for us to have, that they fought so hard for. President John Adams said, our Constitution was made only for a religious and moral people. It is wholly inadequate for any government other than that. In other words, when this was founded, it was made for a people that would understand that morality mattered, that, that God's word mattered. So we, we kind of need to wake up as, as, a, as a, a body of Christ, as a, a country, and, and understand that given the Christian and religious freedoms and roots and foundations that we've been given by those who have went before and sacrificed, acknowledging that God has a, a method and a way that can give us freedom like no other, that we shall not give that freedom up freely easily because so many paid such a great price. And I want to I say this because I think this is important. Everything worth anything is paid for with a high price. Anything that you've received that's worth anything was paid for by somebody with a high price. Freedom one never was and never will be free. There's a price that's been paid for it by so many that's went before us. Someone somewhere paid something and sometimes everything for our freedom. Amongst us this morning, we have those that have served us, 
in that way. Would anybody that's served in the military please stand up? Anybody that's ever served in the military, please stand up. At the end of service, I'd like you to go up to them and thank them. It means so much. Believe me, it means so much. I want to tell you a couple of stories, and they're close to home here. One is Eric Lindstrom. He was a U.S. Army Staff Sergeant. Eric Lindstrom was 27 years old when he lost his life in Operation Enduring Freedom on July 12, 2009, from wounds received in combat in Afghanistan. Sergeant Lindstrom proudly served with the infantry in the 10th Mountain Division. Eric was born and raised in Flagstaff, Arizona. He was active in the Boy Scouts and achieved the rank of Eagle Scout. He was also a member of the community church locally here in Little League Baseball while growing up. And he loved to hike and camp, and he loved the ocean. He was a strong swimmer and, and sometimes would swim up to a mile and just get into the ocean and enjoy himself. He was self-confident and knew who he was and what he wanted out of life. He knew who he was, and he knew what he wanted out of life. Eric joined the Army in 1999 and completed basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia, then spent two years in Germany with a mortar company before being transformed to, transferred to Fort, Luce, or Fort Polk, Louisiana. Excuse me. He was with the inv invasion of Sadar Baghdad, Iraq, in 2003, and Eric served as a police officer with the Flagstaff Police Department for four years before re-enlisting in the U.S. Army and being assigned again to Fort Dunn. He believed in serving his community and his country and felt he could make a difference in the lives of those who did not have the freedom we enjoy in this country. This is what he said. He believed in serving his community and his country and felt he could make a difference in the lives of those who did not have the freedom we enjoy in this country. You see, there's people all around this world that wish they had what we have, that ability to be free and to make choices, that ability to have our own belief system. And he believed in it so much that he rejoined the Army after being with the Flag PD for four years. He was married to a young wife and had two beautiful children, and he loved those children. And he was sent home when they were born because they were born prematurely, but then he was sent back again to do his duty. He loved animals, he loved dogs, he loved his family, he loved his community, and we were told that he died. Saving, and I know him, so excuse me here, but I know, I knew Eric. He died saving two young soldiers, 19 and 20 years old. And his men said he was tough, but he was always fair. And he cared so much that he made that significant sacrifice. I want you to understand that sacrifice can sometimes be incredibly significant because there's those that are left behind for you that he can have the ability to say, I care about this community. I want it to be better. I want the entire world to be better. So when Pastor Landon stands up here and says, we're going to make a difference in the community, we mean that. We mean we understand the sacrifice is significant, and it has been significant for a young church. It's been incredibly significant, beyond belief for most. I think we should actually record it so someday you can go back and you can read it and say, wow, this happened in the first year? Another such example is Pat Tillman, who chose to leave the life of luxury behind him. You see, he was with the, the Arizona Cardinals. He was a football player, and, and Pat Tillman, too, chose to leave the comfort for the challenge. And sometimes as Christians, we have to choose to leave the comfort for the challenge that God puts before us and decide to do the thing that's sacrificial, that's hard, that's not easy. Maybe it's putting everything on the line as a Christian. He made a significant sacrifice and lost his life as well. 
overseas. You can see that they made a movie about him, and he's one of our own. He's one of the Arizonians. I was thinking about De Tot Deus this morning and almost wore this shirt because Pastor Landon in Wisdom said, you know, that's really what it's all about, that God enriches our lives. But he does it through our fellow Christians, those that we know and, and care about that are out there caring for us. So today we're going to talk about a message of overcoming the adversities that we face in life. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 22 through 25. And in those three verses, we're going to talk about the heart and the courage of a hero. This is basically the story of Benaniah, who was vigilant, vigilant and became someone who made a tremendous difference in the life of his country and in King David. He was serving the king. He was vigilant about everything he did, and he enjoyed doing what he did. We at Bridge Church are, are blessed because of the company we keep here with our brothers and sisters every day. And I want you to understand the significance of that, that there's people around you that have your back, that care deeply about there. They're going to be there for you if there's a need. Benaniah was one of 30,000 men who faithfully served King David. We at Bridge Church are privileged to serve King Jesus. Benaniah was one of 30 mighty men who led the armies of Israel. 1 Chronicles 11.15 and I'm blessed to be part of the Andrizo men. If you haven't been there this year, I really encourage you to go in September. It's a tremendous, tremendous men's walk. He was one of three of David's mightiest men, and he served as a bodyguard. And I'm privileged, and there's so many like Robert Craig in the back and others like Dr. Boyle who are serving, protecting this church every Sunday. Make sure you thank each and every one. And he loved to serve the king tells us that in 1 Chronicles 11, 15 through 19. And that should be our desires, that we should love to serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the master of this universe, because God has given us that privilege. And he lived to resist the enemy. He lived to stand against that which is evil and stand for that which is good. And we need to stand in the gap. And we need to say, no, this cannot happen. These people cannot be abused. These people cannot be marginalized. And you've heard pastors say that all month through the I Am Significant series. And if you haven't heard that series, I suggest you get the CD because he's made some incredible points that nobody's going to be marginalized here. Nobody's going to be cast aside. Everyone's important. We need to resist the enemy. He longed to do his best. Ben and I wanted to make sure that he didn't just give some. He gave his all and he gave his very best. And that should be our heart's desire as Christians that we give that which is our best that God has put within us. And he was valiant because of the conflicts which he had engaged. Do you hear that? He was valiant because of the conflicts. So you don't become valiant unless you have conflicts that you have to overcome. You don't become courageous unless you have to face something that you really don't want to face. You see, life isn't necessarily meant to be easy, but it is meant to be worthwhile. So if you see a firefighter out there or in here, or if you see a policeman, or if you see an emergency responder, if you see somebody serving in the military, stop a moment and say, hey, you know, thank you for serving. Thank you for caring. Thank you for standing in that gap and saying, no, I won't allow anybody to be abused. And he longed to do his very, very best. Ben and I was valiant because of the conflicts in which he engaged. He was victorious because of the character he exhibited. He was victorious because of the character he exhibited. You see, when it comes down to it, at the very end of the day, we know who we are. And those around us will know who God is by the character that we exhibit. Do we exhibit his character? Do we care deeply? Do we stand in that gap? God knows where you are every single moment. You're never forgotten. God knows what you faced with 
in life. He knows how much you can endure. God has a purpose in mind for your life. God provides necessary grace for the situations. So we need to have that intimate relationship by opening this book and being close to God to realize that God is going to use our adversities to cause us to become stronger. He's going to build us up through his word. He's going to build us up through the fellowship that you have on Sunday mornings here. He's going to build you up through the men's and women's group. He's going to build you up by, by having a relationship with him first and foremost and then with others. So do not give up your freedom for anything. Not for passion or poison offered in the streets. Not for the love of that which is paid for. Not for anything other than the love that comes from the Savior on our cross of Calvary's hill and the power of his Holy Spirit because you say that was the ultimate act of love. The ultimate sacrifice was the one that Jesus Christ did. In a small Mideastern country nearly 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what happened. A closer look at his, uh, this hero reveals some strong similarities to the heroes that I just described with the men in the military. But there's also some significant differences. His name was Jesus. He was the son of a carpenter. He didn't have a pedigree, and the religious didn't even know who he was, and they didn't think he was significant. He was raised in Nazareth, a, a town that the world might not have expected for anything to good to come out of. And the scriptures give us Little or nothing to go on about his early life other than he was, you know, the Christmas story, maybe that, or the visit of the Magi, possibly, or the time when he stayed behind in the temple and his parents came to find him. There's not much else that we know about his young life. But after that, there was a significant jump ahead in time in his adult life, a significant jump. And his ministry among people, both the Jews and the Gentiles as well, had a tremendous impact. Who would have expected such a heroic action from this man that the whole world said has no account? You see, so when Pastor Landon says that everybody's going to be here and valued and nobody's going to be marginalized, you have no idea who you might be sitting next to and the significance they might have. The prophet Isaiah tells us there was nothing about him physically that would have hinted at the possibility of any heroics whatsoever. Not like we would picture our heroes. Like so many heroes of our present day, but he, too, gave of himself completely and totally. Jesus put himself in harm's way. He endured pain and suffering to the benefit of others. In Isaiah 53, it was foretold in advance. You see, everything in here is true, and it was foretold before it even happened, and we know it's true because of that. It says, surely he took on our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. A punishment that brought us peace was upon him and his wounds. We were healed by those wounds. And he did it willingly. Isaiah continues. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearer in silence. So he did not open his mouth. Matthew records in his gospel not once but twice that Jesus responded to the pain and suffering he was about to endure with these words, Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Not mine, but yours. How oftentimes when God calls on us do we say, Okay, God, not my will, but yours. As Christians, we fight a different type of war than the physical war in combat. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, For though we lived in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, divine power to demolish the strongholds, even as we sang about this morning. 
In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul prints out for us and paints out for us this more specific graphic picture of what he describes as the armor of God, the belt of truth. We need to be truthful about everything we say and do. The breastplate of righteousness. We need to realize it actually matters whether we walk in righteousness or not. The feet fitted with the gospel of peace. We can't give this unless we have that inner peace that comes from knowing the king of peace. And we carry that shield of faith. And it's important that we do put that shield up to protect others. We have the helmet of salvation, knowing a personal relationship with Christ. And the sword of the spirit of God. Without the spirit of God, we're undone. We need God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Joshua 14, verses 5 through 15. Caleb was saying at 85 years old, he was saying, I want a challenge. Imagine 85. 85 years old, and he's saying, I want a challenge. I want an altitude above what I've ever reached. I want an opportunity. He said, I want to take that mountain. So I'm going to say to you that God may put something in front of you thinking, man, how in the world... He was 85 years old when he started saying, man. And he was a mighty man throughout the entire time. But at 85, he's still saying, I want a higher altitude. I want that mountain. I want to overcome the enemy. I want to take the high territory. And as Bridge Church, we need to not just be here in Flagstaff at 7,000 feet. But we need to say, this is our territory. This is what God gave us. Nothing that's happened here has been by accident. God knows what he wants to do. And he'll do it powerfully and amazingly. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. So let me ask you a question. How do you view your mountains and your challenges in your life? Do we view them from our own mindset or do we view them from the mindset of Christ? You know, sometimes wandering in that wilderness can be kind of dangerous. And, and you can even get killed out there. because It could be a dangerous world. And yet at the same time, maybe, just maybe, what's inside of you is more dangerous on the outside. Maybe what you haven't given over to Christ is a more dangerous thing to hang on than, than some of the things out there that you might have to deal with. Maybe we really need to look and say, okay, God, how are you and I in relationship? And what do you want to do through your word? And what do you want to do through fellowship in this church? God, let me help me get to the place where I need to be so that I can serve you as you'd have me serve you. God knows the wilderness experience. And he knows he can make us stronger. He designed us to be made stronger, to give us the opportunity to climb as high as we possibly can in this life. He's not the one that tries to put us down, or he's not the one that tries to put us in a pit. He's the one that tries to raise us up. So the truth is, the ground around you, the elevation of the level you choose to settle in, is the level of life where you see yourself. I'm going to say it again. The truth is the ground around you, the elevation of the level you choose to settle in is a level of life where you see yourself. How do you see yourself with Christ? Do you see yourself as victorious? Do you see yourself as a warrior for the kingdom of God? Caleb wouldn't settle for being a lowlander. Caleb was saying, I want that challenge. I want to climb up to the altitude that you send me, Lord God. I want an opportunity. I want that mountain. It's before me and you can give it to me, God. The majority of others saw giants. They saw things that couldn't be overcome, but Caleb saw God-given opportunities and not giants. So how do you view your enemies in life? Here's an even better question. How does God view the enemies and challenges in your life? Because, see, we don't need our view. We need his view. Because Caleb had God's view. He knew what God could do. Could it be, could it be that God is wanting to use the enemies in your life to show you how valuable you are in the fight? You see, people would rather have you defined by your worst mistake, but God doesn't do that. God doesn't see you through the lens that people used to view you, thank God. 
God sees you through the lens of his grace, his unmerited favor. When, when the Father God looks at you and sees you, he sees the finished work of Jesus Christ. He sees you as beautiful, powerful. Memorial Day is about remembering these fallen heroes and honoring their sacrifices that they've made on our behalf. So my prayer for you all today is out of Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 6 in the voice version. I pray that our God who calls you, I pray that our God who calls you and gives you perseverance and encouragement will join all of you together to share one mind according to the Jesus, the anointed. God wants unity in the body of Christ. In this unity, you will share one voice as you glorify the one true God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the liberating king. He calls you. Church, he's calling you. I want you to realize today that he's calling you to war. And it's a spiritual war. But he's giving you everything you need in the fellowship, in the faith, in the word, in the leadership, in the opportunity. Individuals sacrifice for the greater goods of others. One was Douglas Albert Marino. The Medal of Honor was awarded to Petty Officer Marino as a result of his actions on September 27, 1942. He was in charge of a group of 24 Higgins boats engaged in the evacuation of Italian Marines trapped by enemy Japanese forces at Point Cruz, Guadalcanal. After making preliminary plans for the evacuation of nearly 500 beleaguered Marines under constant trapping by enemy machine guns on the island and a great risk to his own life, daringly he led five of these small crafts towards the shore. As he closed the beach, he signaled to the others on the land and in order to draw the enemy fire, protect them heavily loaded boats, he valiantly placed his craft with two small guns as a shield between the beachhead and the Japanese. When the perilous task of the evacuation was nearly completed, he was killed instantly by enemy fire. But his crew of two, of whom both were wounded, carried on until the last boat had loaded and cleared the beach. By his outstanding leadership, expert planning, and dauntless devotion to duty, he and his courageous comrades undoubtedly saved the lives of many who otherwise would have perished. He gallantly gave his life for his country. There's many, many, many more such stories. Sometimes we see them every day, even here in our community. But I have no doubt that many men and women put their lives in extreme danger for others, that they care that others, others might live. So as you see these people in our community this week, thank them for what they've done. Thank you for them for what they're willing to do. And just as in the case of Officer Monroe, Jesus willingly endured the pain and the suffering on behalf of his people to the point of death. Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even a death of the cross. In Romans chapter 5, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though a good man sometimes somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The battle Christ waged is against him something far more powerful and devastating than this world has seen. The ultimate victory was not simply the taking of some important hilltop or a body of water or even one country over another, but was secured our very souls. Our eternity was secured by Christ. 
the victory over the power of the devil and of sin in our lives and the ultimate the victory over death itself. We have resurrection life because of Jesus Christ. We have hope for a future after death in this life because of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 says, we read, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Let's bow our heads. Father, today we want to realize the sacrifice that so many have made that others might live, that we might have freedom within our country, Lord God. Freedom to choose, freedom to, to believe as we want, Lord God. Freedom to have a hope and a future. God, we thank you, even more importantly, for the freedom that you bought us, that we don't have to be slaves to sin any longer. We don't have to be taking the view that others have in this world of us, but we can take the view of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master of our universe, who called us and said we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. He wants us to, to just climb up to that altitude that He's chosen for us, Lord God. He wants to take that territory that He's given us, Lord God. So I pray this day, Lord God, that You'd give us that vision that only You can give for freedom and the price that was paid. And I pray today, if there's anybody here who hasn't felt that freedom, hasn't known that Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, that right now when we pray, that you'd raise up your hand with me. Go ahead and raise up your hand. If you want that freedom, if you have not had that freedom, please raise up your hand because God wants to give it to you in such an amazing way. Thank you for those hands. Here and online, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I'd like everybody to pray with me as I pray right now. Heavenly Father, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior, my God in whom I trust. And I am saved. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.